Hello and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to be dealing with one of those subjects that we spend a fair amount of time dealing with here at A Better World because it has to do with our very future. And I believe you all know what that is. It has to do with the heating and cooling of our planet. It has to do with extreme weather conditions, which are truly a function of this phenomenon we refer to as climate change. Well, climate is always changing, it is said, by scientists and others alike. That's true. That is not the subject at hand. The real subject is what I heard Dar Jamal say just this morning, is climate disruption. That's what's really going on. Change is always occurring, as the ancient Chinese remind us, that change is the only constant in all of life, and our lives attest to that. However, what we're talking about needlessly to say yet again is that human activity has exacerbated the natural course of things, the natural course of nature, and so much so that we have caused the phenomenon of greenhouse gas accumulation far beyond natural systems, the ecosystems, to absorb and to balance out. That has caused immense issue across the planet on every single level of the ecosystem from species extinction, which is happening all the time, literally daily, in a way that we cannot even imagine, to the extent that a, an article just came out, a report, about what is occurring just with the insect population alone, which is horrifying because the insect population has decreased by some 40% over the past number of years. And whether we like it or not, the insect world provides a foundational aspect of the ecosystem that keeps water clean, that helps to uh, swallow up, actually, other um, toxic influences that are found in nature, and in our habitat. Without them, well, say, for instance, without bees, or worms for that matter, we would not have food. We would not have plants. It's a profoundly serious issue with which we are dealing all the time at this point. So, knowing full well what we have been doing to our planet for many decades. The, the reports indicate that Exxon itself has known through its own scientific research going back to the 1950s what long-term effects 
the use of fossil fuels would have on our atmosphere and on our environment. And yet they plowed through disregarding the science and not disclosing to others. In fact, to the contrary, uh, creating a greenwash policy, advertising policy, giving the false sense that all is well, that fossil fuels are a fine part of our modern world. Well, it's not true. Other offenders are rampant, and we're not going to go into those right now because we are going to be discussing the Green New Deal that has been recently proposed in the halls of Congress by Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, to whom we are all really grateful because she is doing the bidding of our planet and what so many of us for decades have been screaming from the rooftops about. We need to focus on this of all issues because all issues really do interact and connect with this. Social justice and environmental justice, of course, and disparities in economics. It all really does tie in to the way we work with our environment, that is, with nature herself. And the way we are not using nature properly, which as green economist and futurist Hazel Henderson, president and founder of Ethical Markets, has been reminding us since the early 60s that solar energy, these trillions of photons coming our way every single day, are the way to power our planet. That the amount of photons, the number of them coming our way, could power the entire planet in one hour of sunshine. Well, imagine we had six or eight or ten. We could repower our entire planet many times over. That is the abundance of free energy, in fact. And that is before we even take a look at wind or geothermal or hydrokinetic, and on it goes. To discuss the Green New Deal with me today is to be Robert Huckett, who is chief advisor to Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. However, it appears that he misscheduled and has not checked his calendar recently enough to realize that our interview was scheduled for 11 o'clock today, and he may have the uh, the schedule as being for later when we first scheduled. And so I will simply speak with you about the Green New Deal and some thoughts about it uh, in case he does arrive, gotten utterly deluged by media requests 
And, of course, here in A Better World, I was very pleased to say that we spoke last week and made arrangements. He was very happy to join me on the show. And it looks like the deluge has continued and intensified. Otherwise, he'd be on with me right now. And we'll still keep the door open in case he does, in fact, call in. But in the meantime, I actually want to review a little bit of the text of the Green New Deal with you so we can uh, begin to get familiar with it and begin to also ask some good questions and make some intelligent uh, recommendations. I will say that in the conversation that uh, Bob Hockett and I had the other day, he made clear that this is a beginning salvo, you could say, uh, in the direction of making a sound long-term legislative proposal and, well, you know, and uh, to execute it. And he reminded me that FDR's New Deal was not something that occurred in one single piece of legislation at its beginning, at its inception, but rather it developed and progressed over time as the effects and consequences of the New Deal began to show themselves, they were able to navigate and course correct along the way, and that way they had a feedback loop built into their thinking about what a New Deal should look like, where it should go, where the points of emphasis should be, what's working, what may not be, and therefore to, as I said, uh, course correct. So, similarly, that is what's going to happen here. This is an overall generic kind of skeletal structure inside of which we hope to be filling with any number of intelligent technologies, any number of, you could even say, based on my reading of it, sub-legislation which has to do with, well, such hot topics as immigration or uh, civil rights and equity among all ethnic groups, all of which in one way or another trickle in to, not down, but in to the fabric of our society looking the way it does with the economic inequity as it is, with maintaining uh, structures and institutions that are no longer resilient and are no longer serving the masses of Americans, and larger than that, the masses of people across the planet. And while we are serving America, and I know our current president likes to think of that, this should be right up his alley. So by serving America, we are ultimately also serving the world, and that is the larger and more intelligent way to think, Mr. Trump. And uh, so we certainly want to do that. And what we have here in the proposed Green New Deal does provide for a lot of this. 
just as an example, I'm looking at uh, paragraphs talking about upgrading all existing buildings in the United States and building new buildings to achieve maximal energy efficiency, water efficiency, safety, affordability, comfort, and durability, including through and it should say uh, using, yes, electrification. So that gives you a little bit of an idea. Spurring massive growth in clean manufacturing in the United States and removing pollution and greenhouse gas emissions from manufacturing and industry as much as is technologically feasible, including by expanding renewable energy manufacturing and investing in existing manufacturing and industry. Working collaboratively with farmers and ranchers in the United States to eliminate pollution and greenhouse gas emissions from the agricultural sector as much as is technologically feasible, including by supporting family farming, by investing in sustainable farming and land use practices that increase soil health, and by building a more sustainable food system that ensures universal access to healthy food, by overhauling transportation systems in the United States to eliminate pollution and greenhouse gas emissions, which as we see is a uh, kind of a formula here in this proposal, from the transportation sector as much as is technically, uh, technologically feasible, including through investment in zero-emission vehicle infrastructure and manufacturing, clean, affordable, and accessible public transportation, and high-speed rail. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Mitigating and managing the long-term adverse health, economic, and other effects of pollution and climate change, including by providing funding for community-defined projects and strategies. So what we see here is an ongoing uh, challenge to many of the current structures that have been placed uh, that have been in place for a long time, and those structures also come with, you could say, ideologies, certain world views that uh, keep us sort of entrenched and entranced in a certain way of doing things with the old phrase, well, we always did it this way, or that's what my father and my grandfather did. Well, in some cases, what they did are excellent, excellent things that have low carbon footprint, but in other cases, not so. And so we need to be able to discern what have been traditional, say, agricultural practices that nourished the soil, and made for good food. And we can even turn to the Old Testament for some of those practices, in fact. And since then, there have been other wonderful innovations that have occurred that through our understanding of soil chemistry and plant chemistry have been able to innovate and contribute to the overall understanding of how things work, how nature operates. The great multi-billion year experiment has been ongoing 
and it is really only upon meeting and producing we humans that it is uh, possibly coming to some level of end. No, not really, not end, but major morphism, that's for sure, because it's already begun to happen in so many ways. But I also want to pause for a moment to speak of one or two of the initiatives A Better World has been part of. Number one, in respect to farming. Well, there's an entirely global movement called urban farming. And that allows for people using their windowsills to grow microgreens. And in 12 to 14 days, have a crop of them. And this in stores or farmer's markets actually are often referred to as mescaline and are pretty expensive. Um, green, organic indeed. But we can do these for fractions of that cost ourselves and that is a project we here at a better world have been part of for the past year and invite you if you would like to learn more about it to contact me at mjr at abetterworld.net and i'll provide you information that is double fold or maybe even triple fold on one hand it will give you the tools, the, the uh, trays, the seeds, etc., for literally growing the microgreens in your own windowsill. Number two, there is an economic benefit here as we have farmers uh, across the Midwest who are utilizing these trays and platforms uh, and making the uh, microgreens and other related crops available to their customers. So we have a, a potential profitability feature here where we and those of us that engage in this can generate some revenue from these practices. And number three, uh, this was initially being funded through an ICO, an initial coin offering of a cryptocurrency, sort of like a bond, but in the cryptocurrency market. And this is a phenomenon that's happening more and more, where people have a certain idea and a certain project that they want funding, and they're turning toward the new and burgeoning cryptocurrency world in order to fund the projects because there's so much excitement about the uh, about the cryptocurrency world as essentially an adjunct, really interesting adjunct to the money-as-usual world. But that all said, there are many initiatives and projects taking place worldwide which have to do with this idea of of providing healthy food, organic food, for one's own family, all the way to each apartment being becoming its own food hub. No, not entirely, not completely, 
but it is a trend that is increasing. As far as smart grids goes, or go, as proposed in the Green New Deal, well, there is a lot of controversy about smart grids uh, having to do with the electromagnetic fields that are generated on one hand, so the actual health feature uh, is of true importance. But the other one is the surveillance part of it. And if we had a government um, and industry that we felt were really trustworthy, it wouldn't probably be much of an issue. And we could find the ways to neutralize the EMFs that come from some of the smart and IoT technology. Not 5G. That surely is a menace to society, and we have no answer, no ready answer as of yet, that I know of, I should say. I'm sure it's being worked on now. But the idea of providing in a decentralized way solar, wind, geothermal, hydrokinetic, are ways of providing water, on, oh, I'm sorry, of electricity in extremely cost-effective ways, which is one of the items that the New Deal, the Green New Deal, is calling for that I just read from. And this is exciting because we really do have the technology inexpensively, not expensive at all, as we all know that the cost of solar panels has dropped precipitously. It's fantastic. And that has also happened with wind energy. And when the two are working together, it's very powerful. You've increased efficiency tremendously. And when you add falling water, i.e. using gravity, uh, a colleague of mine recently informed me when we were speaking about a breakthrough wind technology, a better world, has at its disposal, that falling water is 400 times more efficient than any other renewable energy system currently out there in the marketplace. So you can combine some of these so they work in tandem. Uh, it doesn't have to be an either-or, but a both-and, and actually multiple renewable technologies working in concert. That's probably the best way to put it. So when there isn't sun, you have wind. When you don't have wind, you have geothermal. When you, and you always have geothermal, you always have falling water, you always have ocean tides, and you always have river currents. So when you add all of these up, it dwarfs the amount of energy the whole planet needs right now. And we could be bringing uh, electricity into villages, say, across Africa, thousands of villages that do not have electricity. They live in the traditional way, pre-electricity, which for those of us who have been electrified for so long, find it almost hard to believe. But in fact, that is the reality. And in fact, the work of a highly esteemed 
company called Zoetic Global that A Better World has a deep and abiding relationship with in many ways is uh, doing much to solve the problem really planet-wide but focused initially in Africa because its chairman, Jerome Ringo, is also the chairman, uh, I'm sorry, the goodwill ambassador of the African Union consisting of 55 nations in the continent on the continent of Africa. And so this happens to be one of numerous initiatives that are taking place. And it's a notable one because of their deep relationships with heads of state, ministers of energy, and the like due to Jerome Ringo's position there and his relationship with these uh, heads of state and others for really at this point decades. So another leader in the area of green energy thinking, finance, and understanding the importance of renewable energy is the founder of Ethical Markets, Hazel Henderson. Hazel has been on this show numerous times talking about this, about discussing how we can really make the transition from fossil fuel to green renewable energy and to help promote that and educate people around the world. She has uh, formulated the Green Transition Scoreboard. You can go Google that, or you can best Google ethicalmarkets.com, and you will find the Green Transition Scoreboard. This is a way of showing how investments have increased over the course of the last 10 to 20 years. Moving toward 2020 and Hazel Henderson says that if we were to invest a trillion dollars a year, which of course is doable worldwide, then by 2020, we could have a fossil fuel free economy. Well, there may be fossil fuels still in motion, but the predominance of a renewable energy economy will be, economy will be in place. And wow, would that be going far in reversing global warming? There are many other aspects, of course, to what contribute greenhouse gases. Agriculture, for instance, commercial livestock, cattle, hog industry, and the methane is outrageous. However, there too, there is a solution of another company, A Better World, has a relationship with, which is Guess International, G-E-S-S. And there, they take the hog dung and the cow dung and they transform it in a very clean way, low carbon way, into biogas. And interestingly, major oil companies are interested in this. So there is a transition, as 
Hazel has said. There is a transition as Jerome and his partner Avery Hung and we at Zoetic Global are very much part of. And there are, as Paul Hawkins tells us in uh, Blessed Unrest, his book, which is just powerful, describing the millions, literally millions of organizations around the world. Some are B corporations, some are nonprofit corporations, some are NGOs that are really taking matters in hand. So this is a big work. It's probably the biggest we as a humanity have ever faced. And many of us are profoundly grateful to Representative uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez for pioneering this in Congress. Of course, there was the uh, formation of the EPA, interestingly, under Richard Nixon, and the Clean Water Act and the Clean Air Act, and wonderful initiatives that got the ball rolling back in the 1970s. And we needed something a bit more robust, but that was certainly an, a, an excellent way to begin and to educate people about the importance of pollution and what it's doing to us. And we didn't understand fully what it was doing to the atmosphere uh, when collected over time. We had some understanding, but oh, has it ripened. Oh, has it ripened. I mean, yes, I mentioned Exxon's scientists back in the 1950s. It's true. On that one level, uh, just the fossil fuel focus, if you were to take that alone, yes, they were able to calculate damage that would be done. But there are also things that practices that people are engaging and have engaged for many years, especially since the 1960s, that offset some of the pollution. So only uh, after doing a huge number of calculations have we begun to see how the polluting practices out far outweigh the offsetting. And that, of course, is the uh, pickle in which we currently find ourselves. And, you know, I'm a little playful about it at times, but that's just so I don't break down in tears at what we have done to our precious Mother Earth because it is nothing short of a form of homicide and suicide. And I cannot tell you that makes us so much more grateful for the fact that there is a new democratic upsurge in the House of Representatives primarily and that consists primarily, not only, but primarily of women, isn't this interesting, that are taking a leading role in demanding we do something about our current situation. And it is being done. And it does appear that uh, Robert Hockett will not be joining me today because he is officially now a half hour late and uh, 
So I can only imagine that something happened this morning, or he did not have it properly uh, scheduled, and because uh, I did change it a couple of times, it's true, in order to bring him to you sooner, quite honestly. Uh, but that is not happening now. So we will look to have it happen tomorrow or the following day. It will happen, and we will have him on to speak about some of the finer details of what this is. I also want to just take a moment to mention Paul Hawken, because I have already uh, written to Representative uh, Ocasio-Cortez to propose that the Green New Deal be guided by Paul Hawkins' latest book, or I should say most recent, which is Drawdown, the most comprehensive proposal plan ever proposed to reverse global warming. Now, this morning on Amy Goodman's Democracy Now!, I heard Dar Jamal talk about mitigating it. Now, he is on the front line, and he describes that front line in his latest book, The End of Ice, and we will be having him on A Better World quite soon. Uh, And so it's true that things are far, far more advanced and progressed in terms of melting ice caps and the warmth in the Arctic Circle. And this is nothing short of alarming and has trickled down and trickled through consequences for us all. And one could say that even with all of our efforts now, starting now, we would not be able to reverse numerous effects because they do not all occur at once. It's almost like time-lapse photography. The ecosystem degrades in different areas, in different ways, in different areas of itself. And that ultimately has a collective effect. If we were to reverse everything now, we would definitely slow things down. And I'm not going to say that we could not reverse it. My hopeful self says that we can. But it takes true political and economic will to do so. And we're just not quite there yet. However, our collective pressure on our legislators can provide that political will that they are not providing, will provide it for them. So we want to remain hopeful. It is a certain kind of fuel and nutrition that we need to make things happen. Here at A Better World, we are so committed to a positive outcome here and are engaging any number of different means and technologies and products to bring that around. I introduced to you all the work of a premium lawn seed. It sounds so funny. 
Lawn seed? Yes, lawn seed, intelligently combined by leading PhDs at major ag schools across the country. took eight to ten years to find a combination of seeds that ultimately has the effect in combination to sequester carbon at the rate of ten times the ordinary rate of sequestration by grass, the lawn that you'll see at the house next door. Ten times while utilizing 75% less water. And it really needs no fertilizer. And it needs to be cut, if at all, about three to five weeks. So when you look at these parameters, what you see once you estimate the amount of grass that is everywhere, airports, golf courses, cemeteries, large uh, areas of land, we could be planting trees, and that is happening, and we can be growing grass as the means of major carbon sequestration. Of course, we also have, at a better world, a breakthrough wind technology that fulfills one of the terms outlined in the Green New Deal, which is uh, bringing forward affordable electricity. Well, this particular wind system, turbine, doesn't look at all like your ordinary turbine whatsoever. In fact, it used to be a water pump in its original iteration. Brings the cost of electricity to under a penny per kilowatt hour. So I am simply saying between that, our solar team, the wind technology, and others that I'm not at liberty to go into right now, right here, we can make a huge difference. One that I can report to you is a substitute for Freon, a non-inflammable green Freon substitute, a coolant, a refrigerant that can be put into HVAC systems that can put be placed drop-in into any refrigeration refrigeration system and has got all of the seals of approval it needs and is being tested and saves the user anywhere from 20 up to 40% in its AC-based or refrigeration-based electricity bill. This is phenomenal. You've got an average of 25 to 30%. However, there are other savings, which are that it seals up leaks. It also coats the system, so it preserves and extends the useful life of the air conditioning or refrigeration system, even if it's older systems. This can help extend its life. So when you add these up, you are talking about major savings. And 
Why is this so important? Well, I will draw your attention to Drawdown. I will draw your attention to Paul Hawkins' Drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming. And we've had Paul Hawkins and his co-author, Catherine Wilkinson, on A Better World, and will do so again. And in this utterly important tome, there is the work of some 200 scientists from around the world who, over the course of several years, have combined their data and have compiled their research to formulate a list of problems that have solutions. So from 80 to 100 solutions in rank order, we can, it is truly our belief, solve this problem called global warming contributes to climate disruption. And uh, we're very glad to be able to report this here on A Better World. And number one solution is refrigerant management, i.e. Freon has been known since the 60s at least to be seriously depleting the ozone layer, the CFCs. There was a meeting in Montreal and formulated the Montreal Protocol to end this practice of the use of CFCs in refrigeration. Well, what are we going to do if we're not using that? Well, I'm telling you that there are alternatives, and we at A Better World have them. And that's just the first. The second is wind tar turbines onshore. What was I just talking about? Isn't that interesting? We can do that. We have the technology beyond all other wind technologies. And we here at A Better World actually have use of and access to a few of them, really high quality, that are mid-size and even for your own personal home. So we have these technologies from wind farms down to the personal home that can be energy efficient and cost efficient at the same time. And that in drawdown is number two. Number three is reduced food waste. Well, we have no particular solution to that right now except to grow our own and we are working on uh, supporting those organizations that are dealing with the food waste issue, which has a lot to do with redistribution. That which is referred to as waste becomes edible to people who have so little. And we have to get over our prejudices about what is no good and what is good when it comes to food. I'll never forget a moment I had in San Francisco the first time I was there back in the mid-1970s of someone in a restaurant going over to another table uh, where the people had left 
and there was still plenty of food left on the table, and they began to eat the food. They were a customer. Um, They were buying their own food also, but they saw some food they wanted, and they simply sat down and started eating it. And I also recall that there was a theater group in San Francisco that was actually promoting these kinds of practices. It may seem funny to us because we have been conditioned to think of food and who it belongs to and where it is so prejudicially that what is real food existentially, phenomenologically, sort of becomes not ours under the conditions uh, in which we currently live. But if you are hungry, uh, that plate of food sitting on that table starts to look very, very desirable, as it did even to a customer already in the restaurant paying for his own food. Anyway, that talks a bit, just a bit. Plant-rich diet. Well, everything I was talking about regarding urban farming and the growing of microgreens and the eating of microgreens and the eating of plant-rich chlorophyll-based foods, which we do here all the time at A Better World, and we make available such product lines as Purium, which we have on our website at abetterworld.tv. And uh, we also even have a $50 discount that you could go to there and find yourself eating the healthiest, most organic, in a sense even beyond organic. The food is so carefully grown and monitored, the soil conditions, etc., that the quality is even beyond certified organic. This is very exciting. So I'm just giving you a few of the top items from Paul Hawken and Catherine Wilkinson's drawdown, and you can see yourself already how these can be directly applicable to the Green New Deal. And there's more, folks. There's a lot more. Now, I'm uh, sorry that I and... uh, Uh, that Robert Hockett wasn't joining me today as originally planned, although, as I said, I did make some modifications to the schedule, and he might not have made proper note of it, or something happened and he wasn't able to join us. But we will have him back. But I did give you at least a touch of the content of the Green New Deal. There's a lot more to it. I didn't want to read the whole thing to you today, but uh, we will further elaborate upon it and uh, know that there are some fantastic groups. Um, The American Business Sustainability Council, Ethical Markets, A Better World, and many other organizations are throwing their full support behind this effort and are also very interested in contributing to this effort with our thoughtfulness, our creativity, our knowledge, our technologies. I want to utilize, as I said, 
Paul Hawkins' drawdown as a guide to uh, bring about the implementation of what's first and what's next because it is a massive program, but the work of Van Jones and so many others that describe the green economy and growing the green collar economy is so vast. We have so many resources to to call upon. We need to do it yesterday. Oops. We need to do it immediately. And that's where our collective will and pressure on Congress to do something is so important. It just has to be done. So, with that said, I want to thank you all. It's a good beginning of conversation about the Green New Deal on a better world. It will be continued until we get it done. So on that note, I want to just thank you all for listening. Uh, We take all of this very deeply to heart. Uh, We have people, even a dear friend of mine, currently in Israel, I just spoke with him yesterday, is seeking to bring the premium lawn seed there, is, is very interested in bringing the refrigerant there and to the Middle East and to Asia and uh, the waste-to-energy technology that we have that generates no carbon footprint. These are the kinds of technologies and projects a better world is engaging in order to, as rapidly as possible, reduce the greenhouse gases, sequester carbon, turn things around, and and simultaneously build the new green economy that is rich with uh, justice and peace for all. Isn't it about time? You bet it is. You know, it really does break my heart when I contemplate where we are as a species right now. I feel that we are capable of doing so much better um, to still have a war economy in the 21st century where people, instead of talking and working things out between themselves, ourselves, working out our differences, resolving conflict, through dialogue, which is what I do all the time as a coach and advisor, consultant and therapist. Uh, This is what we do. This is what mature humans do. They don't bomb each other. And understandably, we have differences in understanding and ideology of the nature of the universe, of the nature of reality. I got it. We all do. There's beauty in diversity. That's not the problem. But everyone wants peace. Everyone wants happiness. Everyone wants to be able to raise their kids in a healthy environment. Everyone wants to be able to earn money and economically sustain and thrive. And all of this is possible. So we just have to kind of wake up and smell the green tea, (laughs) and we can really do this. But it takes some young blood, apparently, and some ancient wisdom and indigenous intelligence to come forward at this point in time. 
Yes, it's true. Many of us have been calling for this for the last literally 40 years. Literally. In one way or another, we saw this and smelled the coffee then and the green tea and uh, started to take matters in our own hands. But this is a massive undertaking, and it really does take so many and many trillions of dollars, in fact, that if they are not being spent on military and nuclear nonsense, yes, nonsense, then we could do this in a heartbeat and employ so many people who will be happily employed doing something good and positive for self, for family, for planet. On that note, I want to just thank you all for listening again. Please spread the word of what we're doing here at A Better World. Tune in to our broadcasts, our podcasts, and spread them around. That's a one place where wildfire is a good thing. And let people know of what we're up to here. You can visit us also at abetterworld.tv and get our newsletter. It's free. It comes out only once a week. Um, it will not um, overload your inbox, I assure you. Uh, occasionally we send out a few more when we're sponsoring specific events, but that's uh, periodic at best. And we also have a series of services. For those, you can go to a betterworld.tv and click on some of the links, as well as mitchellrabin.com. That's M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-R-A-B-I-N.com. And uh, avail yourself of the various services. We are a nonprofit, a 501c3, so donations of any sort, of any kind, are most appreciated. Just contact me at mjr at abetterworld.net in order to get the details for making donations. Also, we need interns for video editing, for administration, for social media. And if you are interested anywhere in the world, please talk. <laughs> Give me a call. 212 420 800 or on WhatsApp, or on Skype, or by email to start MJR at A Better World. Thank you again. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World, and I look forward to seeing you all next week. Music.